guys, we are back talking with Joe. We are so excited that he came back on the podcast. Um, we have multiple uh, episodes with him. He was gracious, gracious, man, I can't talk right now, gracious enough to join us. Um, so let's go ahead and dive into this episode. You're listening to the PT Assistance Podcast with your hosts, Ken and Laura. Thanks for joining for another exciting episode. Do you guys remember the, um, the PTA school, the, the rehab book, the solvents, like the big, thick one? Like it, rehab it, book of solvents? Yeah, it's like O'Sullivan's. It's the rehab book. Oh, O'Sullivan's Oh, yeah. Sorry, I, I went to school when it was all digital. Oh, so, you know, oh yeah. He didn't out. actually <laughs> get the book. His I had like, a little iPad. PDFs, iPad. I don't know. Sorry. So, Ken, <laughs> what, back what in large? our day. Hold on. Ken, back in our what day. What large book are you talking about? The book was large. It was. We this had to carry our books together. That book was this big. <laughs> <laughs> the one I like, I've let you borrow it before, but like, I really feel like we're doing a back in back in our day, Ken. We had these things called books. Um, you would actually have to what? turn the they pages just, manually. Uh, they were heavy. Smell them. They were weighted. Yeah, they're fresh. <laughs> they had paper, a scent to them. Ink. They didn't smell like electronics. Yeah. What? No, and then you had to put them into a bag. I guess a bag. It's called a backpack. You would put it on your back nope, and carry just, them uh, to school. Carried my. This iPad is why we all and, have back uh, issues. <laughs> But yes, it's clearly I remember that book, Ken. Uh, okay, well, you probably got the digital version of it. I guarantee that. <laughs> that I did. And anyways, it's like the holy hand grill, right, of PET. Yeah. So mm. it's got everything Everything in there. you need to know pretty and, much. And like there's a, there's a whole chapter on psychology and psychological events. And like death, like it goes through like the most traumatizing things a person can experience, right? And number one is death. Number two is divorce. I don't know if those have changed within the recent years because this book, you know, this is like 12 mm. years ago when I was going to school. Dude, I don't even remember reading that. So maybe like the second this or third is, edition. I was about to yeah, say. This is, I think I have the seventh. This is, <laughs> this is like the, um, this is like when you have time to look through this book, right? Because <laughs> when you're in school, yeah. it's like yeah. you're just looking oh, yeah. for the answers. You're not yeah, like, absolutely like not. you're like, where's, where's the cookie? <laughs> you're like, oh, this is cool, right? I can, you know, and it's massive pages and it's the smallest print too. So it's like, you don't have time for that in school. You're, you're literally just trying to cool. find the things that you need out of this book. But on the tail mm-hmm. end, like I've, I've read through it because I'm just I'm a nerd like that. Um <laughs> <laughs> You're like a judge. Um, I was good. I was about to say I, I was holy that 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 term came across my head, yeah. but you know I wasn't going to judge you on it. Yeah. By but <laughs> yeah, anyways, it's just like done, right? it's like the number two traumatizing things are death and divorce, and how how much do we experience that like around us? Right, people mm-hmm. are born every day and they die every day. We work in healthcare, so more than likely we're going to come across death more often than the lay person, right? Um, besides like probably being, you know, combat veteran type thing, but like we see death quite a lot. Um, so it's like, you have to be flexible with that, with those patients that come in and, you know, like you said, they, your patient's father passed away. It's like, what do you do? Like, what do you want to try to do? Maybe it is like, you know, let, let him lead you to where he wants to go. And maybe it's more of like a manual therapy type of day and stuff. And I will say, I'm not the biggest proponent of manual therapy i believe there's a place in time 
And that's one of the times, like I've had patients that like come in and they're just like, Ooh, I think I got like cancer and they don't know what stage it's at. And I'm like, okay, we're going to like, how are you feeling? And they're not really going to, you know, they'll mask (laughs) it. They'll be in denial or bargain, or they'll be like super off uplifted because you get those endorphins, you know, you don't know what's going to happen to you. And at that point, like I'll take patients back and be like, we're going to do some manual therapy. If it says it's in your plan of care, I'm going to do it. And they're usually like always better by the end of it, at least from a more relaxed, like sympathetic, like more just mm-hmm. out well, of that fight or flight stage, you know, and that's, it's hard too because we do work in a business too. Yep. Like, and that's the, the tough part. So like when these patients do come in and they start kind of spilling everything out, like you do have to find a way to bill it at the same time. Like that's the hard part. Like you, you know, that, that is your time that you are to be either making money for your company, for another company, like you're on the job. And it's so hard because of the fact that unfortunately healthcare, the way it's built, if a patient's coming in and really talking to you and kind of having mental therapy, mm. um, that's not billable. And so you do need to try to find a way of work around it. Like I had a patient who she was absolutely, I left her to death. She was amazing. She, she, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, she just clung to me pretty quickly. Um, kind of, yeah. So like, like I was her go-to, like she wanted to just always be treated with me. Yeah. She, there we go. She, she just, she formed a quick bond. Um, she's had multiple back surgeries. She came in one day and she literally just walked in and was like, I need to talk to Laura first. And so they were like, okay. And so, um, Ken, once I tell you the name off camera, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. Uh, but she, I went into a room and she just started literally like bawling her eyes out. Her relationship with her husband wasn't going well at the time. Like he got diagnosed with diabetes, but didn't want to do anything about it. And so she's freaking out because she's he's the one who takes care of her. Yeah. So she's literally bawling her eyes out. And it's like, OK, well, I can't stand in here. For 20 minutes, unfortunately, and you just talk to me about it. Because that's, I know what you need right now. But okay, how can I do something at the same time? Okay, your back's still going to be, like you said, your back is still going to be set. So let's do some manual. And so you do have to find a way. And it's, it's again, it's the part that kind of sucks about our jobs. But it's something that we do need to be aware of. So it's like, okay, how can I build this but still be flexible to what the patient needs? And also to what the company also needs, like kind of work a deal out without them knowing. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll say I'm still working on uh, figuring that technique out because I get stuck in conversations all the time and I'm like, it's like 15 after, like, I really need to start your treatment because I got another patient after yeah. you and we've made no progress. Like, I yeah. have a hard time finding that line where it's like, hey, I need you to lay down. I need you to sit up. I need you to do something because I can't just talk to you for an hour. I think that's a a skill you learn over time. Cause I, I definitely mm-hmm. like you and I began Ken and I, even now I will still talk to patient. I'll engage with them the whole time. Like if they're a talk of patient, I like talking with people. Right. But I'm like, if it's, if it's a, if it's that. a, you know, a rest period, like, and I know that these people are really good at sidetracking me and I get like swindled one time. I'm like, you know, two times. Yeah. Me and I will set a timer on my phone. I'm like, okay, I want to hear your story. Let's keep talking. But it's like, you're gonna take a rest interval for like a minute or whatever it is, you know. And then I just have them. I was like, I'd love to keep talking with you, but I'm gonna need you to do 
X or Y exercise. And they usually do it, but it's something where you can't, you kind of got to give them a kick in the ass to do it, you know? Yeah. And don't feel bad about it too. Cause that's what they are here for. Like, I, I think it's very therapeutic to talk to people. Um, but if that's all we're doing, we're not doing the right type of therapy. We're doing psychotherapy, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's not, that's not, that's a lot of our skill set. Like I've done it the same thing where I've gotten patients who love to just talk to avoid. And so yeah. as they're like doing something, I'll be like, you know, most of the time it's lower extremities I've worked a lot with. And so I'm like, okay, kick my hand. Oh, really? Yeah. Keep kicking. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Kick another time. Uh-huh. And so now I, I've got them doing long arc quads, you know, while we're still having a conversation and they don't feel like I'm ignoring or trying to shorten their conversation um, with them. And so it's, it's finding, it's, it's again, it's one of those skills that you hone in on as you uh, get more into the field. I will say I'm pretty good at getting out of a conversation pretty quickly. Yeah. I oh, know. I still get, I get stuck all the time. I have told my <laughs> boss, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I've been, you know, in that room for, 30 minutes i just i think it's just for me personally like i think a big pet peeve is being cut off yeah. and i think laura knows this because she does it all the time <laughs> with our podcast i'll be in the middle of uh saying something and she just starts talking i'm like i wasn't done yet so Apparently that's when it comes what you need. <laughs> so i think just because for me it's a pet peeve i don't want to do it to a patient mm. when they're in like a middle of a conversation but and i even told my boss that and he's all like i get it i understand but there's there's a line somewhere yeah and just like Laura said, like maybe you can get them to do something while they're still continuing their conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, all right, just start doing this. And so I think it's, it's definitely a skill. It definitely is going to take some time. But if anybody else is struggling with it, just know you're not alone. I've been doing this for just about a year now and I'm still working out some kinks here and yeah, there. I would... Yeah. And I'll go for oh, it. I was going to say, I mean, you're only a year into this. It, it took me like a couple mm-hmm. years to just kind of get better at doing that skill set. I think as you get further into a career too, though, like you just, you get better at reading people, the types of people, and then you kind of, maybe it's me, you get a little bit more callous, so you don't want to put up with the bullshit anymore. And <laughs> I was like, is that where you're at, Laura? <laughs> well, it's just, it's not even like you putting up the bullshit. It's just like, you don't take as much on anymore. I would say like, you're still empathetic, yeah. but you don't absorb it personally. Yeah. And I struggled with that same thing. Like I struggled with that very first year where I would need to almost let everybody like listen to everybody out because like I felt so invested in them. And now it's kind of just like, you're like, you do have to put a little bit of like, this is a job on mm-hmm. type of protection for yourself. And then also for, you know, your patient. So that way they can get appropriately things done that you need. And you just, again, it's over time. It's not that you're trying to be harsh or anything, but you know, they are there for a reason and it also can sometimes definitely help you mentally also. Um, so you're not absorbing as much and taking as much on personally. Um, yeah. And there's, but there's tactful ways of just not cutting off conversations, but just be like, Hey, like I love the conversation. I want to keep having it, but we gotta, let's do whatever exercise we're doing. That's usually what I go for, you know? Um, just like, yeah, yeah. It's just like you know, I love the conversation if it is a conversation, right? Um, that yeah, I like. I'm sure oh it gosh, there's some right. conversations where I'm just like, yeah, like, and then it just kind of, kind of let it get that awkward silence, and then I think the person kind of understands that, like, 
not appropriate conversation to be having with me. And then you kind of move on to the next thing. And sometimes I just, I yeah, I, I pivot a lot of times to if I'm having somebody do something, I don't know why they're doing it. Take that as a moment for education. Be like, okay, this is why you're doing, you know, high to low row and you're in tandem stance because we're going to challenge your balance a little bit, weight shifting. And then you're also getting a, like a rowing of pulling position. Like, I don't know. And then people are like, oh, I never thought about that. And yeah. It changes the conversation real quick. Yeah. For me, I, I usually just straight up cut off my patients. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, well, they'll be like, they'll be talking and then there's a moment and I'm like, all right, we're going to go over here. But what I like to do is to make them feel because I'm very talkative of my patients. Um, we all know I'm clearly very talkative. I can talk everybody's ear off, I think here. Um, but what I do is like, if I do like, Hey, cut it off real quick. And like, they're in the middle of the story, but I need them to get going on something else. Cause maybe someone needs that bike. I don't got time for you to be like sitting there. I might have a PT who's waiting for the stepper and I need you off the stepper. <laughs> so it's like, okay, we're going to go over here. But what I do is I always try to bring it back to the conversation as I tell them like, okay, we're going to go over there. And then, oh, so yeah, your granddaughter came back over. What else did, was she saying? Like you tie it back in and it shows that you're actually listening and that, yeah, you might be cutting them off to do something, but it's not because that you don't care about, you know, hearing the stories. They feel respected in the same way too, because it's like, oh, you just need me to do something. Okay, no big deal. Yeah. And they kind of go. Um, so like you can always, like I'm a big talker. I talk to my patients all the time. And that's why half the time my notes don't get done. And that's why sometimes I don't mind bringing home notes because personally, I'd rather just talk. I'm not, I hate sitting there and just charting away. Um, and I know that's a me thing. And so I don't mind doing a little bit extra. At home yeah, you know, you know your have. own boundaries and whatnot. I am the opposite. If yep. I don't have to take work home with me, I try not <laughs> to take it home. There's been plenty of times, you know, where I've had notes and I just want to get the heck out of here and I'll be like, we'll do it at home but i try to try to minimize that as much as i can but i i try not to take too much home but i have a good chunk of it written but like if i need to go back through my notes that's usually when i take it home mm. because i just need to double check billing or write real quick an assessment because outpatient notes daily notes are super super simple yeah. let's just be honest yeah so so i guess relating this back to flexibility i mean this is more of like the, yeah when a patient kind of talks to you too much got to be flexible like with some skill yeah, sets there, it's a skill. still being a little bit empathetic still being flexible <laughs> yeah you never know what it's you might get yeah and it does tie into you empathy don't. too you like you want to you want to talk to these people and understand what's going on with their life because we know that pain is multifactorial and sometimes it's more psychological than it is actually biomechanical so like sometimes when people talk to you while they're doing this stuff it actually improves their, their symptoms like so. yeah we have uh currently a patient right now who uh exaggerates his symptoms mm. and so he actually does worse he'll well he'll exaggerate more if we pay attention to him mm. But if we are working with someone else or if we're just even getting him on a subject and just completely chit-chatting, he can't focus on faking it. <laughs> and so he does better. <laughs> and so, like, there's sometimes these skills come in handy with chit-chatting and being flexible a little bit. Like, because um, you never know what you can get out of it. You'll find sometimes 
people respond differently in better ways. And so uh, being flexible with how you treat is a, a key, key component, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then, I, hey, you also got to be flexible with some of your treatments or be creative around them, too. I'm sure you've kind of had this a little bit, Joe, or, you know, you're like, okay, let's do like, for example, we had um, at one of our inpatients, we had a stand, a, just a whatever you call them, ones you can raise. We raised it all the way up, put a bucket there, and we had a whole thing of Beanie Babies. And we wanted to work on the person's I balance. I was like, are you still talking about work? For yeah, I know. Well, and this is how you can kind of get creative. We took the Beanie Babies and we did a tossing game, mm-hmm. like you were talking about with the, the ball, and you, you play toss. Um, I had a patient recently who she's a vet, and she her big concern was dogs pulling her after her cervical uh, surgery. Mm. And so she's getting back to work. So I literally grabbed a stretch band and tugged on it in different ways. And we worked on it like that way. And so like you, you can get very creative with things around you and just know that like not every single treatment has to be, you know, long arc quads, squats, sit to stance, Mm -hmm. rolling, log roll. Like it doesn't have to be all these known exercises. You can be creative. You just have to justify them. Yeah. I think the catchphrase maybe nowadays, I don't know if it's still a catchphrase, but like, um, you know, make it functional. Cause I mean, that's what we do. Like mm-hmm. we're not necessarily like we use strength and conditioning components, like therapeutic exercises. Right. But we really want to focus on what does this patient want to get back to doing? Like that's what PT is. So if yeah, you got a total knee and they need their range of motion and they need that strength you can do a bunch of great stuff that will just isolate those muscles but at the end of the day if they're a golfer or if they're a swimmer or they ride horses or stuff like you have to start thinking that far out like hey how deep does this person need to squat do they need to half kneel do like are they squatting are they hip hinging are they single leg for a lot of this stuff like what other movements can we incorporate like I, I love the um, example of the dog, like having, like getting a resistance band and tugging on that band because that's what that person is eventually going to have to do and mm-hmm. feel like they're going to have to work against, um, you know, dogs that are un, could be unpredictable. So you want to like in a safer environment, you want to try to mimic it, yeah, mimic it, and train them. Yeah. So. Yeah, you got to kind of think of, you know, every single patient's going to be different, you know, just because they're all, you know, you're doing total knees all day for eight patients in a row doesn't mean that they all need the same thing, right? Maybe they all, they all need range of motion, active range of motion, you know, and quad hamstring strength and get the swelling out of their butt, like their day-to-day activities. If you got somebody that needs to ride a horse and has to do a high step, like how are you going to do that? How are you going to mimic that? Cause eventually they're going to have to do that. Or if you got somebody that hikes <laughs> mountains, you know, 10, 20 miles, like how are you going to like, maybe you want uneven terrain. Maybe you want to have them doing half of their sessions where they're going up and down incline like treadmills, depending on the equipment that you have. Right. You might have to get creative though, but you should be. So that actually, that actually happened in our class. Um, we're, I think near the end of the program where we had like these mock patients Mm -hmm. and one of the groups went up and present and they had that scenario. The patient liked to go gardening. They liked Mm -hmm. to go hiking, things like that. And when they did their presentation, they did a lot of Therex, a lot of strengthening for those things. 
And as soon as their pre- the presentation was good, everything was really mm-hmm. well thought of. Um, but the one thing that was missing, it's like, okay, well, they like to go gardening. What would you do for that? Like, that was like the very first question that was asked as soon as they were done. Because like you said, like you want to keep it functional baby, for what that baby. patient wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> so then after, and they were, they, they thought about it real quick. As soon as we asked, like they were quick with it. They immediately came up with some like kneeling exercises. They came up with some um, hiking exercises with the un- uneven terrain. So it's definitely one of those things that you always have to keep in mind. Like you said, just because like the base can all be the same, but for the patient and just for like compliance, for the patient to be engaged, for the patient to want to come back, get them doing what they love to do. And the patient mm-hmm. will definitely progress a lot faster than doing the exact same thing over and over again, every single session. Cause now they see a purpose to coming into therapy. Yeah, I got a patient right now that, you know, a reverse total, total shoulder from an outpatient and, uh, you know, they still need having problems going overhead reaching, right? And so we've done, we got strength and conditioning and all that stuff, part of the program and whatnot. But it's like, I need to have this person, you know, take a cup or whatever I have that they can use. I need to have them reach up in the shelf, you know, reach a little bit higher, reach a little bit higher here. I'm going to make this a little bit harder. I'm going to put some marbles on top of this surface don't drop my marbles. I'll be mad if you drop my marbles. Right. <laughs> and I have them like go up and higher and higher and it gets them better at, you know, just being able to have that dexterity and have that proprioception and the kinesthetic awareness where they're reaching up there and they're able to kind of feel for what they're doing, but they're also, you know, they're training their, their overhead muscles right there for their shoulder, mm-hmm. you know, they're getting their pack, their dowels. Stability, and, the range of motion, yeah. You know. So and they and they liked it. You know, they they looked at me, they're like kinda laughed at me. They're like, ooh man, like yeah, you know, and it engages people more. You know, sometimes I think we kind of think past that stuff. We're just like, no, it's gotta just be yeah. straightforward, you know, strength and training and that's all we do <laughs> in manual therapy, right? <laughs> but we're more more than just that. It's hard not to sometimes just because you are seeing so many patients. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely in an outpatient setting, like we, we see a good chunk. And so it's just like, okay, on to the next one. And so definitely if you're being like double book in any way, it is easier to give those strengthening. Cause it's like, Hey, okay, do this three sets of 10. I don't got to explain it too much. Um, which is fine sometimes, but then maybe if you've got that more one-on-one time, it's when you take that time and you change it up. So it doesn't always have to be, everything has to be geared. Every exercise has to be geared towards exactly what they want to do. Cause there's definitely some good points about just doing, you know, sidelining overall conditioning and yeah, overall conditioning, sideline ER. Let's just be honest. That's a great one for a lot of shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like it's a good one for you to do no matter what, like your functional getting back to. So like you got those, but definitely like you were saying, mix it up. Like I had a swimmer one time, like you were saying, and her big concern was uh, she had a shoulder injury, was getting out of the pool, mm-hmm. pushing up yeah. out of the pool, had a high low table, put that sucker to the pool height. And guess what? We practiced kind of her yep. jumping up and putting the pressure on it and gradually adding more of her weight onto her arms. Yep. And so um, definitely things like that you can just kind of change around. Yeah. Yeah. And you can go as simple as like even your, you know, your example is like if she wouldn't be able to do that, how could you mimic that? You could take a TheraBand, like strap it around her and just have her like push down, you know, almost like a tricep extension, you know, you can get. Yeah. You got to You got to be you got to be flexible because sometimes it's. You know, it could be psychological. Sometimes it could be biomechanical and the person cannot tolerate 
what you're giving them. Exactly. It's a lot of trial and error. What works, what doesn't. Some things work, some things don't. And don't be, I think the hard part is definitely when you're like newer in the field, it is hard to kind of want to step out or feel comfortable enough to step out to be creative with some exercises because you feel like, ooh, what if I'm like, I can't explain this very well of why I'm doing it or what if my PT doesn't quite agree with me adding something different or making it new? And that that can be scary. And definitely, like, my suggestion there is just work with the PT that you're with and walk it through and just be like, hey, so I was thinking about doing this with this patient because they want to get back to this. And so I wanted to try this. Yeah. And the more you start to talk that out with either you, even other PTAs that you're working with, but as when you're starting to talk that out, you're going to start to realize and take, uh, be more confident in your actual skills of adapting and changing things up. Too. Yeah. And so. I like that point of talking to the PT too, because it, it helps you build that collaboration. And sometimes it helps mm-hmm. you even, um, just build up trust and confidence because sometimes they don't even know the answer and they're like, Oh man, I kind of like where you're going with this. I never even thought about it that way. You know? Yeah. Or vice versa, you learn something new from them. You know, like, or they're like, "Hey, try this instead." Like, yeah, yeah. Not that you're wrong; yeah. it's just something different. So I said it before. We I'm a big I'm a all. big component of talking with your PT. I hound that all the time. You can ask Ken. <laughs> yeah, I love talking I with my PT, but it's mostly about the um, just like anything new and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, mine came back from like her. She was on a. Uh, honeymoon and so she was gone for two and a half weeks and so it worked out i ended up having actually no patience the first hour um i came in and then her eval rescheduled that morning and so that very first hour we had no one in literally was us just completely debriefing on like every single patient that i could think of anything changing it was like okay oh by the way the patient you're coming in today we just found out yesterday it wasn't just that he fell he had a stroke and so he fell and now he's still having this, this, and this, but they technically cleared him for therapy, but I don't think he's a hundred. So have fun with that today. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the ones I'm not jealous about. I'm like, yeah. Like you're like, all right, good luck. I gave you the update. You you got it from here. I'll be over here. <laughs> I'll be, yeah. I take no balance patients right now. Any fall risk. <laughs> yeah. See you later. All right, guys, that ends this portion of today's episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram as we will be letting you know when the next one goes available. Again, there we post every, well, we try to, sorry for last week, every Tuesday and Friday um, with new episodes. So we'll continue down this journey with Joe. So again, tune in for the next one. Bye. The information in this video or podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content, including text, graphics, images, and information contained in this video or podcast is for general information purposes only and does not replace your professors or a consultation from your own doctor or healthcare professional.